Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. for a smooth transition. Anyway. <laughs> Good Wednesday morning. Mike McNamara for it. Wednesday edition of All Marine Radio, right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. <clears throat> uh, the force design discussion getting pretty interesting. Yeah. Let's see. Article written by General Zenny pub- published yesterday. What is the role of the Marine Corps in today's global security environment? So that's uh, that's in the news today. Uh, also, the Marine Corps' plan to redesign the force will only up, end up breaking it. Subheadline: Neither. History nor the American people will judge the Marine Corps action as wise. By P.K. Van Riper. Published today. Both these articles appear in Task and Purpose. And then, uh, let's see, what else do I have? And uh, evidently, there's more forthcoming. Uh, the text message I saw said uh, t- there'll be another article on aviation, 
and then another article on manpower. So, um, yeah, force design. Uh, these are the graybeards, right, as they were most insultingly called by, sh by shitheads who did not have the good sense uh, to, vig to vigorously discuss these very, very important subjects and then insulted them. That's not how you do it, you know. That is not how you do it. And again, General, General Van Riper talked about um, <clears throat> in a... Uh, in, in something that appeared on YouTube, you know, the vigorous debate about uh, maneuver warfare that the Marine Corps had that I participated in, that my peers participated in. And, um, you know, there were people that certainly opposed it. And the worst they got, a call, got called was an attritionist. And that was uh, the mentality of two up and one back, and that's what we do. That's all we do. And so, um, anyway, yeah, it, it was done to define what camp you were a part of. It wasn't to insult you to say you're uh, somehow or other intellectually feeble, you shouldn't be a part of this discussion, and you, you should just go the fuck away. And that's what some of these fucking clowns, and, and again, if you ever hear me speak, I use the word clown. And for me, it's a really bad word. And I don't use any profanity with it either. Well, I, I take that back. Sometimes I do. But when I decide that you're a clown, that is kind of the word that goes with fundamentally ignorant about their own profession. And so, yeah. And I would I would I would call if you if you are part of the group that called men like General Zinni and General Van Riper um graybeards, then <clears throat> you are a clown. You've been around the, the Marine Corps for such little time, you don't understand the history, you don't you don't know people like them. You don't respect the, the process. And so I hope, at the end of the day, I hope what people learn to do is to sit down with people like this as they, as they consider change, because clearly the commandant did not. And that's his fault. That's what, he, that's what he has to own. The question is, what happens in the future? Because he's done. He's got, what, another 12 months before you know, we begin the dance of the new commandant? So General Berger's done, right? The question is, what happens to the Marine Corps in the future? And he clearly did not do this, his great failing. And again, General Berger's a good guy, smart guy, but that's not, that's not enough. You got to conduct business like that. So anyway, those, art, those articles are out there as the discussion gets more and more interesting. Oh, wait a minute. And so it's now very interesting. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, emails from people that says, wow. I, I watched this for two hours last night, really opened my eyes, gave me some historical context that I did not have. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is very interesting. These guys are smarter than shit, Mac. Another one. I laughed. I had the ter term you use for General Zinni, the burning bush. 
in my head listening to him. It is certainly a well-deserved title. Doesn't sound like an old cookies and milk going to take a nap right now kind of a dude. Yeah, no kidding. So anyway, good morning to you. Grant Newsham's going to join me here in a few minutes. But again, and then what I'm going to try to do is get in touch with some of these um, some of these people that have written, and I will uh, see if we can get them on and do things in long format with them next week. Um, I leave tonight for my friend Kim's funeral, and so uh, you'll hear the Mensa Brothers tomorrow. We'll record something this evening. So, uh, and we'll we'll do a little bit about forest design. Will wants to talk about Navy shipbuilding, and uh, we'll also talk about uh, Ukraine. So, uh, yeah, so we'll cram all of that, and you'll hear that tomorrow. I don't know that you'll hear anything on Friday unless something significant happens that I hop on to do news. So, uh, because I will be doing other things. Um, but I'll be back on Monday, and uh, hopefully you will hear them again on Monday. So, uh, with all that said, Grant will join me in a matter of five minutes. The United States Marine Corps Band uh, makes this morning official. And again... I think that I think the most important thing that will come out of this, you know, for an entire generation of, of Marines, officer enlisted, young, old, and that if you were not fortunate to be as old as I am and my peers are and participate in those discussions, and we were captains, captain lieutenants at the time, and we watched these giants of the Marine Corps wade in on this stuff, and they, they argued in front of us and they set an example of the the vigorous intellectual rigor that ought to be applied to new ideas when it comes to this thing this national treasure called the marine corps and i don't care what anybody fucking says that was not done in this case and now it's being done so i hope everybody pays attention i hope they learn and the next time somebody you know has the next great idea the next time the, the great idea fairy comes rolling around, that the most important thing we do is debate things rigorously and are, and are great stewards of this national treasure that is known as the Marine Corps. So, good morning. United States Marine Corps Band makes it official. <laughs>
And this is dedicated to General P.K. Van Riper, Lieutenant General, United States Marine Corps retired, and General Zinni, who have written yesterday and today. So um, um, I think what they're trying to do is, is uh, have a discussion and do it in the right way. So um, I always enjoy reading their stuff. Thank you very much. And that was not supposed to play. This is supposed to play. Betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think, and you don't say it honestly and bluntly. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. For this campus had prepared him well. <clears throat> I'm very confident that. Thank you very much. <clears throat> if this was vodka, it'd be a lot better speech. <clears throat> <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Time for us to check the weather and then Grant will join us here. So <clears throat> quickly, quickly. Yeah, that's the phrase I have in my head. I was saying it. I always say it when I pack or I'm in a hurry. Quickly, do not hurry. Quickly, do not hurry. Yeah. Officer Cannon School. <clears throat> sunny and 38 in Quantico. Cherry Point reports sunny and 38. No, this is not right. Hold on. Now, partly sunny and 54 in Quantico. Sunny and 57 at Cherry Point. 29 Palms cooled off. Sunny and 62. Camp Pendleton. 
partly sunny in 59. Camp Smith and White, cloudy, dark, and 69. Okinawa, dark, cloudy, 72. Darwin, on the northern coast of Australia, the home of special purpose MAGTA. No, Darwin Rotational Force, as it's known. All right. Dark cloudy in 82. At the home of All Marine Radio. Oh, wait a minute. What's the weather in Kiev? Ukraine. It is cloudy and 48 degrees in Kiev. Currently here at the home of All Marine Radio, it is partly sunny and 61. Looking for a high of... What just happened? I don't know. It's going to be 67 today, 67 tomorrow, 64 on Friday, 71 on Saturday, and 82 on Sunday. So that is a look at your weather. We will get Grant on and talk about things. And so give me a second while Skype does its thing. And uh, and we will get uh, Grant on here momentarily. So, that's good. Oh my God! I don't know what happened, but there's this all this color exploded onto my monitor. And joining me from someplace, the land of a very colorful place, is Grant Newsham. Grant, how are you? Uh, fun, thanks. Uh, my aura, which my shaman and others have uh, commented on, appears to be working today. <laughs> it is. I don't even know what to make of your aura. Um, it's like curvy, and it's got like plum and blue and purple in it, different shades. Can you explain to me what the fuck does it mean? Huh. I think my shaman is Liberace. Come back to life would be my guess. And- it's a nice match for me, yes. <laughs> all right. So where are first of all, where are you? We haven't talked to you in a week or so. Where are you? Oh, just Taiwan. Okay. So and give us a weather report in Taiwan. What's the weather like? Oh, hot and humid and still. Hot, humid, still. <clears throat> okay. And now, still. Mm-hmm. And still. All right. So mm-hmm. now, now the next thing I want to ask you is this. Um actually had a conversation with somebody about this. How can the Chinese calculus not change relative to Taiwan, um, given what they've seen relative to um, Russia v. Ukraine? Um, that and, and now we're talking an amphibious operation to boot. Um, I know we talked about this before, Grant, but give me your latest thoughts. I mean, I, that is not the easiest problem to solve. Um, well, I think the calculation does change. Uh, it, it has to, and the Chinese are just as smart as us. Um, 
And so the, the comment is correct. But the, the problem is that it is going to ch change and they're going to change it. Uh, it doesn't make them any less uh, interested or committed to taking and enslaving <clears throat> Taiwan. Uh, they just a sort of a, a funny story that this was like 40 years ago. These um, Chinese guys came to uh, L.A. of all places to visit and to UCLA. And they were these were legal law professors and they were coming to learn how to <clears throat> create a law like a legal system in their country. There, of course, never has been one. There never will be. But anyway, the the host took them around L.A. And he drove them by Chavez Ravine. And I'm not making this up. And he, he said this is where the Dodge, you know, the Los Angeles Dodgers play baseball. And, and the one of the Chinese guys, and these are these elite guys, they say, huh, we, we've heard the, the Japanese play baseball. So if we were to ever take it up, we would be really, really good at it because we're better than the Japanese. And it, that applies to how the Chinese look at the Russians. So they would look at what the Russians have done in Ukraine and all the mistakes they've made. And they'll say, OK, well, we're smarter than the Russians. So we're going to do everything differently. Or we won't do it wrong the way the Russians do. We will do it right the way Chinese people do it. So the, the point of that is that they're just as committed as they've ever been. And they're going to look at where the, uh, the weaknesses in the Russian approach was, and they will address those. And when they launch their assault, assuming Taiwan doesn't give up beforehand, uh, that it will, you'll see that they have looked at everything the Russians have done, and they have tried to compensate uh, for those and make sure they don't make the same mistakes. Got it. Got it. What about you in your mind? What's changed the most about um, you're in Taiwan? You're watching this whole discussion. And uh, what what in your mind has changed the most as you watch the fighting between Russia and Ukraine? In in vis-a-vis -vis when you overlay that and say, okay, you know, two major countries, if they were to get it on in an amphibious style fight, um, what's been the major thing that you've uh, either thought or taken away or some version of that? Um, I think the it's probably a number of different things that, that I note is that the, the Chinese, if they, you know, as they readjust their, their plans, um, I think it, it is going, they're going to come really fast without much, any advance notice or, or very little. Um, even though our $90 billion intelligence community and the militaries think that we, they can't do it without us finding out or seeing it, I wouldn't count on that. But they're going to come fast, and they're going to really smack the hell out of the place, uh, not just a few missiles here and there. Yeah, but, and, but, but Grant, uh, don't they, again, what the Russians had to do is they had to mass the force, right? They had to mass the force. Don't, I mean, the Chinese would have to do the same thing to include naval forces, um, or do you think they would do something like, you know, uh, an exercise for a long time, keep it there, let everybody become desensitized to it, and then turn it loose? I mean, because it's not easy to assemble the force, especially well, they, especially mm -hmm. with, with when naval ships are involved. Well, they also have an advantage. Well, the one, they've got their Navy all over the place down there in large numbers. You'll notice okay. the American never publicizes this. 
But if you ever saw a sort of a live or schematic of where the PLA Navy ships are, uh, and this doesn't even include the civilian, the fishing boats, the ferries, etc. It is. This it, is immense. just like the the big stuff, like like Navy, uh, like USNI publishes, like yeah, the, like that thing. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, well, yeah, and even that they've got tons, they've got a lot of naval stuff around. So I think they could actually manage to get enough stuff in place and say without us getting this, you know, three month or six month. You know, notification the way the Russians gave or the way the Germans did when they were putting landing landing craft in Belgium and Holland to go get England in 1940. Uh, so the point of it is that I wouldn't count on having so much advance notice of what's coming. And then I, I think they will just really hit hard. Uh, and, you know, the, the electronic attack uh, and the, the cutoff of Internet, etc., um, they're going to try to do that completely, not hmm. the way the That's Russians interesting because the Russians have not been able to do that. The whole time there had been, you know, you've, you've seen President Zelensky and, you know, the, the Russians absolutely failed. And in fact, you're hearing interviews with people in Maripol and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's so that that you know, does jump right out at you. But the Chinese see that and figure out, well, we're good. They're going to try to. Uh, remedy that shortcoming on the Russian uh, side, and then you look at uh, what they've got with uh, with Ukraine. It so much depends on all these supplies and weapons getting poor pushed in from the West. Well, Taiwan's an island, so they're going to make a real effort to uh, cut it off, and that will include both obviously a physical blockade, uh, but also verbal warnings to everybody: stay out or else. And China is going to play the nuclear card uh, to the hilt. Uh, and I'm afraid that just might work, actually. Um, so and then, there's, you know, you're going to uh, get your military in, you know, in a way different than the Russians did. The Chinese will look at this and say, well, they the Russians tried to attack on all these different axes. And we're not. We're just going to take one place. Uh, probably Taipei. It could be Taipei, or they could settle for some other bigger city. Mm-hmm. And and then they, they understand how the, the political uh, aspect of all of this has worked, where uh, the entire civilized world is on uh, Ukraine's side, and that they would see, the Russians, the Chinese would see it as because uh, the Russians didn't do it right. You know, and they didn't, uh, as I said, cut. They didn't cut off the Ukraine's ability to communicate, to get these messages out, um, and also the Chinese may calculate that there is an element of moral preening in all of this, where it's very easy for this, you know, for the American elite classes, for the MBA classes, the business classes, financial classes, to um, all you know get up in a huff about the Russians. Uh, because there isn't much money involved there. And the Chinese know, well, we've got all this. You know, these people are a thousand times more dependent on us money-wise and addicted to our cash. Uh, so we're go- that is going to uh, make the U.S. response weaker and make the sort of the Western world and the Japanese response weaker. So they're going to address all of these things uh, that they see the Russians as having done wrong. You know, will they do it right? Will the Chinese get it right? I don't know. But no. they say they will they say, you know, I've noted that, and, you know, it's obvious they're going to have to recalculate, but the, the unfortunate part is they will. And they say it doesn't, 
uh, reduce their the, the desire on Xi Jinping and his crowd to, as I said, take and enslave Taiwan. How has it impacted the discussion in Taiwan about their own defense? Oh, it makes everything more real. You know, it's you know com- comes on the the heels of Hong Kong being uh, having strangled and having the life snuffed out of it, with the the clear message being that what happens to Hong Kong is what will happen to Taiwan. So that got people's attention, and it probably caused uh, it guaranteed that that the the in their last presidential election in Taiwan that the the candidate who was Beijing's guy. You know, he was their creation, and they were backing him. Uh, he lost because Hong Kong, I think, woke up enough people as to the, the actual immediate threat. Now Ukraine just makes it even more uh, real. And now it's going to take the political class in uh, Taiwan to do what's necessary uh, to upgrade the defense. You know, will they do it? I, I don't know. Um, but once again, you, you know, keep in mind that they, the the body politic or, or body politique, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, everyone in Taiwan who thinks about politics, that it has is a range of opinions, just like anywhere else does. And there's a lot of them. It's not like 99.9% of the people are saying, you know, give me a, an anti-tank weapon and an AK-47 and let me get ready. It's, there's people saying a lot of different things. You know, maybe the, the, there is a deal to be cut. You know, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should do that. So I say it, it, there's an extreme or a, a range of thought as to how to deal with the Chinese threat, uh, as you will find in any anywhere there's humans. But in a democratic society, these all come out in the open. So that that is something to keep in mind that, you know, say the not everyone is saying, you know, let's do what the defenders of Mariupol uh, in Ukraine or do among the defense establishment have um again i mean just this what uh within the last 48 72 hours the ukrainians sunk the flagship of a black sea of the russian black sea fleet the moskova um <clears throat> among the military types in those discussions which i know you track um has there been anything, any any change in their discussion that that is that you've noticed? I, I I just think the amphibious problem, giving the precision guided munitions that exist, is a big 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 problem. And if you can't get enough of the force in there, in terms of forcible entry, you're in big you're in you're in big pro, you're in big trouble. And so, um, uh, has has there been discussion about uh, short of ship missiles and inundating the rocky island with uh, with those positions? Um, so, or have they continued simply to monitor events? No, well, they they've been working on this for a while. Right. You know, it's by years. You know, to try and get enough of these anti ship weapons and. You know the smart minds, etc. The things that you can use to make life miserable for an invading force. So this is always well understood, and the requirements is there, and they've been trying to make them as fast as they can, and uh, tried to get you know the Americans to you know give them you know what they need, you know either 
missiles and or what the, the technologies they need uh, to do it even better. Uh, and so that's well known. But this was like a case study, you know, it's, you know, it's the way we're talking about it. You know, yeah. kind of, you know, we always know that these things work and there's been some examples of it going back at least to the Falklands War. Uh, and you always knew it, but now to actually see it uh, happen, that that's, uh, it, you know, it's a very useful data point. And it does concentrate one's attention, if, particularly if you're the attacker, but also the defender, you know, sees that it's got, you know, maybe some reasonable prospects for uh, sinking, so, you know, they making it so the Chinese run out of ships before Taiwan runs out of anti-ship missiles. Right. But, you know, but if you once again, it's in a problem for you know, each side to address. And if you can, you know, kill off all the sensors, um, you know, if, if if you can attack, if you can address that, you know, the anti-ship missile threat, that uh, you might think you have a chance. Uh, but then, if you know, I've always been a big believer in smart sea mines. Even the dumb ones are pretty good. But boy, the smart technologies are really impressive. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, God. It, oh, I mean, you, know I, you read it and you think, oh, man, you know, I hope that nobody else is reading about this. <laughs> but, you know, they are. In fact, right. they, they've got them. Now, so it's you, not it's, your great grandfather's World War II mine anymore. I mean, oh. mines count. They, you know, they have all kinds of different settings on them. I mean, landmines count. now. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to get, you know, if you assess. Right, the, that the uh, the commander will never be in the first vehicle. The commander will be in two, three, or four. Then roll the dice. Put it. You know, you put the selector on the um, the second, uh, or let's just say the third vehicle that rolls over this in a five minute period, and that's the one that gets it. And there's way more sophisticated settings than that. But that's just a basic landmine setting now. And uh, it's and and the mines now, and you're not even talking about drones either. You're just talking about dumb, what used to be known as a dumb mine, that you're just going to float out there in the water, and whoever bumps into it, <clears throat> you know, gets it. But it's not like that anymore. It's uh, they're very sophisticated. No, they they like swim out like my miles, like a whole lot of miles, like hundreds of miles, and sit on the bottom and wait till they hear a particular acoustic signature. And then they come up and sink it. Uh, that's kind of simplifying it, but that's where it is. And you know, this thing—it works both ways, of course. But you know, you could see some a whole lot of useful things to do with that if you're Taiwan. Uh, and it's you know, it's again, it complicates things for the attacker. And it's and, and it's and oh, by the way, it's cheap. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not like you know how we spend like, like a hundred all the money in the world on three F thirty fives. You know, yeah, these things yeah. don't cost. You and I could probably buy a couple of them. You know, if we pooled our cash and yeah. they, uh, it's. I'm know, in. You, I'm in for about a half a dozen myself, Grant. Just so you know. Okay, well, I'll be down at uh, Costco this afternoon, and I think getting they, trying to buy two. Yeah, they, uh, but it, the, the the point of all that is that you know these the Taiwan knows that that weaponry has given it a, uh, a, a fighting chance, and whereas if you didn't have all this new stuff, you, the end would pretty much be a foregone conclusion. Right. Uh, but with the right hardware that the Taiwan can make itself into this combination of Switzerland and Hezbollah, that an enemy doesn't want to just can't manage to get get in there at any reasonable cost. 
or even unreasonable cost, which the Chinese are willing to pay, but it's still too high. But much does depend on Taiwan getting the uh, sort of the personnel end right on their in their military, because it needs to be treat you know it needs to get the resources, the respect, and uh, the operational concepts that it that are necessary. And it's but not getting the, the say the the people end right. Uh, has really hurt them. You know, if you applied, say, Taiwan's terms of service to the U.S. military, there'd be like, you know, a dozen guys left at Camp Pendleton after a month because everybody would have quit. Uh, that's how bad it is. Uh, it's you know, not quite that bad, but it, it needs to be improved in a Taiwan context. Gotcha. Uh, so that's an important piece of the, the puzzle. And then the Americans have to make it crystal clear that they are with Taiwan. If you take America out of the equation, at that point, uh, Taiwan is probably finished. So everything depends on the United States and its willingness to defend Taiwan. And so, I mean, the Japanese, I think it was former Prime Minister Abe said when he talked about you know, the unthinkable, Japan hosting American nuclear weapons, I think in that same interview he did, he also talked about this whole di idea of strategic ambiguity needs to be a thing of the past, that we need to look at China, Taiwan with, I mean, China with certainty and say, we will fight for Taiwan. And so, yeah, yeah. Prime Minister Abe, but, well, and that was about six months ago, right? Well, he said it just the other day. He wrote an op-ed, apparently, I think it was in the LA Times, or he had a guy write an op-ed in the LA Times. And it's a guy who knows how to write for American audiences. I don't know who it is. Well, I could guess, but I could be wrong. But uh, you know, he said it's a very well-written essay explaining why the United States should end its policy of strategic ambiguity towards the question of, will it defend Taiwan? And one thing though, that I read it, and of course my reaction was, okay, well, it's what I just said, but also... Well, you're telling the Americans that they have to declare they're going to fight for Taiwan. Why doesn't Japan go first for once? You know, you're telling us we have to go die. And what is Japan going to do? Uh, well, we'll wait and see what you Yankees do. And then we'll figure out what we will want to do. And we'll, generally, it's figuring out the minimum and then doing a little less uh, but I'm being a little mean on that last one, but not much. But this, uh, when I read, read, well, why don't you write one of these essays for the uh, the Nikkei or the Asahi Shimbun or Sankei Shimbun? Why not write it for a Japanese audience saying this is what Japan needs to do? And you've noticed this in these statements. There's been a couple of prominent statements by Abe, but others, um, particularly former uh, vice defense minister uh, in the Japanese government, uh, and he, this was seven, eight months ago, and he say, he spoke it in, in uh, D.C. at the Hudson Institute, I think, and he said, you know, you know, please, America, say what you're going to do with Taiwan. You know, please be public about it because we want to know, then we can decide what we will do. You know, as I said, you know, it'd be nice if somebody else would take the lead and then they might find America more willing to follow in after that. So, so that's how it struck me, but that's partly a function of having seen this dynamic in action for a while. I don't want to say you're jaded, but you might be. Um, in the LA Times, uh, this is the last couple of paragraphs. He, what, what Foreign Prime Minister Abe does, or the person writing does, th these are things that are similar between uh, the Ukraine 
and um, and Taiwan, and these are the things that are similar in in the current conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And then he points out the differences. He ends by saying this. Given the change in circumstances since the policy of strategic ambiguity was adopted, the U.S. should issue a statement that is not open to misinterpretation or multiple interpretations. The time has come for the U.S. to make clear that it will defend Taiwan against any attempted Chinese invasion. Whenever I met President Xi Jinping during my time as prime minister, I always made it a rule to convey clearly to him that he should not misjudge Japan's intention to defend the Senkaku Islands, and that Japan's intentions were unwavering. The human tragedy that has befallen Ukraine has taught us a bitter lesson. There must no longer be any room for doubt in our resolve concerning Taiwan and in our determination to defend freedom, democracy, human rights, and the rule of law. So that's uh, former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Do you say it Abe or Abe? Uh, Abe, if, Abe. You, if you, you know, it takes a couple of years to not say Abe, but uh, <laughs> I mean at least that long. To, Speaking of it, Abe, I was at the, I was, I went and did my uh, post-traumatic wing thing at Marine Barracks, Washington D.C. last week, right? So mm-hmm. I got a chance to go up and do it for the Marines at Camp David. So got a chance to head up there, and but speaking of Abe. I was at the Lincoln Memorial, which they've just uh, spent a couple of years redoing. My, my favorite place to be in D.C. is in the evening. Go to the Lincoln Memorial. You'll hear languages from all over the world. As even though this experiment in democracy is old to us, other people think it's pretty cool and come and want to see our history. And then you stand out on the steps. I'd like to go like to the right or to the left of the, the, the grand opening uh, that you go in and look at his uh, the sculpture of him, um, and you look down the mall, and you see the Washington Monument and the Capitol in the in the far side on the far end of the mall, and it's just a beautiful, uh, just one of the, I think one of the prettiest views in D.C. And then I was at the Smithsonian uh, Institute over the weekend, Museum of History, and I saw the hat that he was wearing the night that uh, he was assassinated. And then I went to a bar, because Lance Corporal invited me to go have a drink, because he was bartending, along with a couple of his friends, and it was adjacent to Ford Theater. So, a little bit of tangential knowledge for you, since you're saying the word Abe. So I thought I would share it with the group. Yeah, well, it's, I, you know, obviously I'm, from close to there, and that's—I don't think I've been to the Lincoln Memorial for 30 years or so. But it, it is, as you describe, uh, you know, quite a striking um, place. You know, it also brings to mind, you know, I was some other, somehow this came up with an email with some other guys that I remember when I first went to OCS like years ago, that we got like a uh, like you know after the second week you get like a half day off or a day off or something, and right. you. And I remember you. Go, everyone goes up to D.C. They have buses that take you up there. And I remember there was this was one of these. This was still the, the Vietnam crowd was still around. And it was one of these like these leathery, rangy gunnies. And he says, you know, 
you go up to 14th Street, you're going to get a shiv stuck in you. So that is unfortunately that has shaped my, um, my my impression of Washington D.C. to this day. But though well, I, hear I will tell you, I, I will tell you this: it's um, the transformation in my lifetime of that city that used to be. I mean, again, around Marine Barracks Eighth and I was yeah. not a place that you dallied around. Now you go walk the streets. Um, it, yeah. the, the D.C. metro system, and and then the ultimately the gentrification of Washington D.C. is stunning to see. I mean, the ballpark now where the Nationals play is in Southeast D.C. Uh-huh. Now let me tell you something: you would never ever mess around in Southeast D.C. And uh, it's uh, honestly it's amazing. You go and you see the construction that's ongoing uh, there, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. The, the chances of getting a shiv stuck in me are have declined greatly. I take. I'd it. say they haven't gone away, but no, they've, know, decri- they've declined greatly. Oh, and, it's, uh, it's nothing like it was. Right? It, no, it's a diff- different city. The, what, what, why this had come up? Now that I think about it, uh, is that uh, it was in an email, and a guy had spelled shiv s h i v e, and I'm like a pedant. <laughs> I the know-it-all. I explained to him that I agreed with everything that he had said in his email, but he spelled Shiv wrong, S-H-I-V. <laughs> and then I regaled him with the story of uh, the warning we had all been given about uh, 14th Street. Uh, yeah. The, um, the, I don't, are you following at all the um, – there was a big discussion about um, – uh, forced design on YouTube, led by General Zinni and General Van Riper, and uh, I don't know if you've seen it. If not, I'll send you the link. I think you'll you would enjoy it. Um, and then there's uh, General Zinni authored an article in Task and Purpose yesterday. General Van Riper wrote one today, and I guess those articles are going to continue for a while. And um, so, are you following any of that? I do, um, although I am, uh, say, reluctant to follow what the cabal, what the graybeards, they say. You know, I'm, uh, you can see that, you know, I've noticed that this has crept into the debate that any opposition to the dogma of Force Design 2020 gets one billed as a heretic uh, or a flat earther or what have you. Um, So, but no, I haven't seen that. I did read General Zinni's article. Well, uh, if, I, I if think, you watch the video, Zinni, yeah. you know, in his own self-deprecating way, when it talks about being a gray beard, and, and I think it's time for us to go get our uh, hot milk and cookies and, and, and go to bed, the gentleman right for, but it's after he holds he holds court. And um, and again, I get emails about this. I was actually, you know, when, when, when it came out last week, I was getting emails about it. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, and people were saying, these are the graybeards, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, these are the people that, that that are being called, you know, in an insulting way, graybeards. That they don't oh. know what's going on. God yeah, help. Oh, oh, and then oh, the other is... next one was God help the people that are calling them that because these guys will kill them intellectually. Uh, yeah, yeah, that and that really does. You know, it's the one thing that has really struck me about this, among several, is just the the contempt which these I say modern equivalent of Robert McNamara's whiz kids have for anyone who disagrees with them. Uh, and, you know, it, this is not the way things should be, but it, 
you know, I suppose it's like arguing over the Avignon Pope and the the Rome, the Papists in Rome in the whenever whatever century that was. Uh, but th this it's it the name calling that jumps out immediately uh, when one side makes their case uh, is uh, sort of disappointing. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, and again, I think that's one of the things that um, that if you're a, a Marine officer and Grant was around for the discussion about maneuver warfare, the worst thing you got called was an attritionist, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, right. And so yeah. and so that that really branded you in terms of which camp are you in with most of us, like somewhere in the middle going, huh? Huh? What did he say? Um, and so uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, I'd settle for winning a war. Yeah, and uh, and, yeah, and then the other thing is, I mean, so I hope there's a generation of of leaders in the Marine Corps, both officer and enlisted, they're going to see what it's like to vigorously debate things that are germane to the future of the service, and oh, and, no. and and it's your it's your moral obligation to do that, not to bobble your head and go away quietly. Your job is to respectfully, articulately get it on, because we're talking about the defense of the nation. We're talking about playing you bet your life and that is our moral obligation i think it's why we raise our hand right and our loyalty is to the institution not to any individual and to that end you're supposed to vent your spleen respectfully articulately hopefully and and evolve the product that's how it works and so i hope at the end of all of this that's what comes out of it yeah you know i suppose we've had these debates but not you and i but uh, institutionally uh, but this is one that, yeah, you know, it, it's say it's unfortunate to see the same mistakes being made in how this uh, change is taking place. And when I see the the name calling, uh, they say from one side only. Uh, it the it, it uh, you can see I'm a little irked about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, a lot of people are, and then but hopefully, um, this thing gets corrected. I want to um, the Solomon Islands have reached evidently an agreement with the Chinese and had a ceremony to sign it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this as last minute efforts on, on, on by the United States was doing hand rigging. Grant, what do you make of this bullshit, right? I mean, this thing has been brewing and it doesn't seem like the United States is very interested, which is stunning. Yeah, though this is actually why I'm irked more than, or uh, even more than what these, uh, whatever these whiz kids are doing. Um, but yeah, this Solomon's thing, this is as serious as what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, they, it's not as bloody yet, um, but this is a strategic blow to America and the free world's position in Asia. And as you said, it has been allowed to happen uh, just going through negligence, incompetence, uh, on this, particularly on the on the part of the Australians, the Americans and others. Uh, um, but the Americans made the mistake of outsourcing their foreign policy uh, to the Australians and the Australians have completely screwed it up. Uh, and now the Americans are some of them are acting mystified as what has happened, although it has been plainly obvious and they've been told for a number of years exactly what is coming and what they needed to do. They did nothing or nothing meaningful. Uh, and what uh, is going to happen is that 
the Chinese will have a military presence in the Solomons. I would bet my money on that. Uh, and the the leader of the he's sort of the dictator now of the Solomons has made his choice, and he has nothing but contempt for the Australians. He always has. Uh, is not afraid of the Americans at all, uh, and he's you know gotten in bed with the Chinese. And so what you're seeing is you're seeing the Chinese the the military end of this Chinese influence effort throughout all of Asia, throughout the Pacific Islands. You're seeing the military component now coming. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to push it into a couple other places uh, in the region as well. Uh, this is. Can you give uh, Can you give me a list of names that would not you would be not surprised to see it? Um, I'd better wait for a little bit. Um, but if you you pick out the map and see where you would like to be, uh, that should give you some idea. Uh, one place they just might be. The uh, Marines were actually asked last year if they would set up a some sort of a training facility there. Uh, the by they were asked by people who were very concerned about what the Chinese have in mind. The Marines, well, we're too busy. We we don't do it. It's too far away whatever the excuse was. But this is not the first time we've been handed these opportunities to establish a presence, establish influence, and we've declined to do it. Uh, and we have basically ceded the game board, ceded the field to the, to the Chinese, uh, assuming that, well, someone else will take care of it or it's not important. Uh, it's State Department's role, the PACOM should do it, or the Australians or New Zealand or somebody. Instead of us getting down in the, re you know, say us and Americans writ large, but there's a small thing that the Marines have a role to play also. And they seem to have treated large parts of the Pacific as uh, those old maps with dragons and question marks on them and waterfalls as a place where we just don't care to know much about it. We don't care to do much. Uh, and here we are. Uh, so the, but the, the agreement, just not everyone lives and breathes this stuff, uh, the, the, the agreement that Solomon Islands has signed uh, is, um, if you read it, it basically allows the Chinese to come in and pretty much do anything they want. That, that's the, any even incompetent lawyer could interpret it that way. Uh, it's that was well, that broadly written. So I would expect some sort of a naval refueling or support base for starters. Um, but it also allows them to send in uh, forces to protect Chinese interests in the Solomon Islands. It reads like some agreement from the British colonial era of the 19th century. Uh, if you read it and, and think about it, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but what you have in the Solomons and why this is particularly distressing, heartbreaking, is that most people don't want this. And huge parts of the country do not, both regions and regionally and population-wise. Uh, you have women's groups, uh, NGO, you know, these honest NGOs, uh, and a really articulate and committed opposition that doesn't want this. And if an election was held, the, the dictator, the guy that runs the place, he'd be out of office. Uh, he wouldn't win. But these people who are opposed to all of this, they have not been able to get the time of day from the Australians or from the Americans. Uh, and you know, the, for example, after the rumors of this agreement were uh, came out not long ago, the Australians sent a low-level official over to, to talk to the dictator, Sogavare. And I use that word, you know, he nominally was elected, but 
but he reminds me of Robert Mugabe uh, in the guy who ran Zimbabwe into the ground right. for all those years and right. equally corrupt. Uh, so, but the Australians sent a low-level official over to talk to him. That official did not talk to anybody in the opposition. Uh, and so, what do you, look? Think of the effect that you know the effect that has on these people. You know, they're hoping somebody will show that they give two hoots, uh, and they won't. And that affects the the internal dynamic in the Solomon Islands, and it makes the it makes the the good guys' prospects decline. Uh, and the Americans, I think, on Friday that. The Asia Tsar, Kurt Campbell, is going down with the head, State Department's head of uh, Asia, East Asia, Pacific. And I don't know what they're going to do, who they're going to meet with, uh, and what are they going to say? You know, you really shouldn't do this. You know, please don't do this. Please cancel the agreement with China. Uh, there's no way that this guy is going to do it. He might say, well, if you want to give us stuff, we'll be glad to take it, but I'm not going to change my mind. Uh, you know, we're with the Chinese. Um, you know, why are you telling us we have to get rid of them? And that's the fix we have gotten ourselves in on. Uh, and it's this, you know, finally, the U.S. plays a little attention to the place, but it's so late in the day uh, that they're going to have to get their act together quickly. Are they capable of that? I don't know. Uh, I would know which where I would bet my money. Uh, sort of precedent and track records do not inspire a whole lot of confidence. Uh, but this is... You know, how we have by, let's say, outsourcing our foreign policy, we've gotten ourselves into a mess by not taking advantages that have presented themselves in the region. You know, and, you know, even for us to get a, why isn't there a military presence in the Solomons of some sort, you know, even advisory or in, that can influence? We don't even have that. Didn't have an embassy. We don't have an embassy there. Now they've suddenly said the Americans are going to make one, but there hasn't been one since 1993. Uh, but you would always hear, oh, these people love us, you know, everything's great, you know, and it wasn't. And, and now you have let the Chinese get in sort of behind the first island chain, behind your defenses. And this is just the start. Uh, this yeah, is I, was, I was going to ask you that, Grant. So the Chinese will build out from here, no doubt. I mean, so people, I mean, I would think that were you the Chinese, you're going to say, okay, we're going to... Um, we're, we're going to shine the Solomon Islands up, right? We're going to spend some money there, and we're going to convince everybody else that this could be you too. And in that way, we will be be we will be beyond the first island chain. It will be moot at that point. And would you, so that's that's the path we're now. We're not going down. We're we're on it right now, right? Yeah, that's it. And let's say this has been obvious for so long. And then you ask yourself, what have we done? And, and I say we, you can include whoever you want in that, but um, what is the U.S. side? And I would include the Marines in that. What have we done to establish any sort of a presence that even like a couple of the right officers or right NCOs down there that it can influence uh, that and do, you know, have more of a permanent presence down there in the region? We haven't done hardly anything. Uh, but this is what's coming. I say this has been obvious, and it will be. It is throughout the Pacific and every inhabited landmass, and all the way to the west coast of Latin America. So the Chinese have gotten behind us, and now we're talking about we're going to close off choke points and you know put platoons right. all over the place, right. running for their lives as soon as they're detected. I mean, not that the you know how could 
you know, military age white men on an island possibly stand out to the local Chinese shopkeepers. Uh, but so we're going to get these choke points. Well, what if every other you've got Chinese all over the place already? You know, we should be worried they're going to get our choke points with their littoral combat whatevers. Um, so this is is really reshaping the board. And as I said, this has been what has has been coming has been obvious, say for at least the last fifteen years, longer actually. Uh, and it's like everyone has been pointing a finger at everyone else's responsibility. Again, okay, so I'm going to ask you something I ask you all the time. And you can say, I'm not going to answer it if you want. But but you and I have been talking about, you know, backing, you know, President Trump ending the Trans-Pacific Partnership discussion and that nothing coming in its wake. Now, you know, President Biden has been, you know, been president for now over a year. And still no overture, no uh, big announcement that, you know, the Pacific Four or the Pacific Six will convene a meeting in, you know, Hawaii. And on the table will be the program that we will roll out to the nations of the Pacific, right, um, how we intend to help them. And uh, and thereby reinforce the rule of law in the Pacific, blah blah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that would to me would be like, hey, let's plan that, let's do that, let's execute that. I mean, we have to do that. It just seems like basic stuff. You don't hear anything about it, Grant. Nothing. I mean, we talked about when the volcano uh, blew up in Tonga. I mean, there was nothing. No, no American response. It was the Australians. And, and you're just watching it, and it's just head-scratching. So my question to you is, why? Who does that make sense to, to be doing none of this? I don't know. Yeah, oh, it, fuck. It's a, okay. well, I, I give like, you the long-winded, big setup, yeah. and you give me I don't know. Well, you know, I, it, it mystifies me. It, it uh, doesn't make sense to us, but if you're a, if you're a bureaucrat, you know, or someone with a GS job and a certain position. Right. You know, what you're thinking about is, you know, you, you know, just doing whatever's on your desk, whatever's coming along. And you know how everyone who works for the government is always so busy. They're tapping Oh, out. my God. I mean, they they don't have me? the bandwidth. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I've got the bandwidth, you know, yeah. or the, you know, man, we got an IG <laughs> inspection coming up. Or, you know, use your excuse. And you have these huge chunks of the map where there's, by themselves, there's nothing from there that is coming across your desk. Uh, and to go out and look for work, um, people just don't do that. And, you know, th this is what the middle of the Pacific and the bottom of it and the large parts of it have always been. Um, it's not where the, you know, the, the guy on the make, you know, that the, the spring butts. You know, from TBS. You know, oh, of course. The self-promoters. You know, the guys, this isn't where they're going to make a name for themselves. You know, you have people, say, in the State Department who are keen to get to Vienna, you know, with its coffee culture and old world charm. But nobody's trying to get that billet out in uh, Pompeii, Micronesia or in Chuk or etc. Uh, you know, I think the what we should do is if you built five-star um, hotels everywhere, in the region and made like per diem about 600 bucks a day, then you would get some interest. Uh, I'm being a little. Oh, yeah, but not but too I, much, though. It, 
in some ways it's human nature, uh, but that just blinds people to what strategic interests are. And when you say that, well, we don't have the resources, we don't have the people, the money. This is the United States of America. We have all the money we want for anything. And as we've proven, you know, and even things we don't need, we've proven that well enough in the last 18 months, but we've always been like that. And you say we don't have people. Well, just speaking, and you know, I noted that when the commandant was down in Australia the other week that he said, you know, we really don't know much about the region and, you know, we're counting on you Australians, etc. You can imagine what I thought about that. Um, we've got, what, 180,000 Marines plus the reserves. We have plenty of people to get people out and about everywhere on Earth, and you will find people with real expertise in the region. We've had three uh, MEF out there for fucking ever. Like, how do we well, not that, know? Well, that, that's just, and again, Grant, correct me if I'm it, it, wrong, but the other term we use is pacing threat. So if this is the, the, the threat you're keeping pace on, have you not kept pace? Do you have your head up your ass? What in the fuck is going on when you make a statement like that? I don't know. Oh, it, maybe. No, okay. I, maybe I've taken his con- words out of context. Well, no, you, no, I, you know, I was wondering if I had, but I don't think I have. Um, you know, uh, one, you know hmm. one thing I, because I, there was another set of comments he'd made with Aspie down there, but, um, you know, it, and it, it didn't start with uh, this commandant. It has been a need for a long time. But uh, one thing I do note that some irony is that the, actually, the G5 at Marfor Pack. You know, from about the late 90s to uh, uh, just till a few years ago, they had uh, they developed their G5 section into a really good um, sort of source of knowledge. It was almost like a, the almost like the Foreign Service or the State Department of Marines in the Pacific. And they would attract these kind of guys who were really wanted to become in, experts in a, a place or a country or and a lot of them had like real experience down there. One of them had like grown up in New Guinea and Indonesia, and then flew helicopters down there for missionary groups, and really knew the place better than anyone. And so when I hear someone say, "Well, we just don't know. We have to rely on you Aussies," uh, give me a break. You know, well, you can imagine. Um, but the point is, the G5, with some improvement and changes, it could have really greased the skids, uh, and also been very influential in the region. And it also was an excellent source of intelligence if it had been directed that way. And say so you could have turned this into something really, really good. You know, if you want access to places to be able to operate to uh, ward off Chinese influence, and you know, to the extent you know this 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 effort could have, but it shows what can be done, could have been done. And the it was the G5 was disbanded a few years ago. Um, by the then commander Marfor Pak, who is now the commandant. And all of that expertise, all of that capability has been lost. Uh, so, you know, someone explained to me why this was a good idea. Uh, and that's how, you know, so I, you know, having spent a long time in the region, you can imagine, uh, you know. What, no, I don't need to imagine you know, shit because I'm listening to it. You know, right? I, you hardly know what to say. And, you know, if I was the Chinese, I would find uh, that guy's address and I would send him a Hickory Farms gift basket every year. Uh, that's how bad it, this is, what a catastrophe this was. Uh, but the, the point is that, you, you know, we should, 
Now we should be we're big enough to have people everywhere, and the Marines have we already have the expertise. Uh, if it's properly, you know, if we find it and, and you know, employ it the right way, so this is uh, which one of these huge shortcomings that we we have, and the, what the Marines have faced it seems to, you know, it's not just us; it's really the U.S. government writ large uh, has not, you know, they've just ignored these large parts of the map, and I think a lot of the, you know, anthropologists could probably discuss it better. You know, in some respects, it is human nature. It's you know, it's it's too much trouble. It's why you don't make your bed in the morning. Eh, it's too hard. Or, you know, there's always a reason not to do something. And boy, the middle of the Pacific gives you plenty of idea, plenty of reasons to do that. And don't think the people out there don't notice. Uh, you know, they you know if you get to know them, that they are just as smart as we are, and they know when they're not being treated well. And you know, when the Chinese come, we make it easy for the Chinese. You know, the, the game's not over, but my goodness, we've, uh, another inning has passed, and I think the Yankees have scored four more runs now. Uh, don't bet on it. The Yankees can't score for shit. So just for the record, although maybe the Dodgers would be a more appropriate team to identify right. in your little hypothetical there. But yeah. that's just me being jaded myself. Uh, next thing I want to ask you about. A uh, headline from the New York Times, North Korea launches two short-range missiles from Al Jazeera. U.S. South Korea urged North to return to talks after missile tests. Next head- headline from Asia Times, after Kim's missile test, South Korea-U.S. drills kick off. Next headline from the BBC, North Korea tests new weapon, quote, to improve tactical nukes. Uh, can you... Uh, on the backside of South Korea electing a more conservative government, uh, we're watching this. Can you explain it to us? Um, I think that the one angle that I look at with this, when you look at what North Korea does, and it is they would not do anything if the Chinese didn't permit it. And I think the Chinese are permitting it because it is a wonderful distraction for the United States, for Japan, for South Korea, uh, to keep them from concentrating on things like the Chinese threat to Taiwan and the other things, all the other things China does. Because there is this belief and still in large parts of the American ruling class that we must have Chinese help with North Korea. And as if the Chinese want to resolve it, but the Chinese interest is very much in having the Americans focused on something in North in, on the Korean Peninsula. And the more confusion and sort of disruption you can cause, that works to China's advantage. But I think to me, a lot tracks back to that idea that nothing could happen in North Korea like this without Chinese support. And the Chinese have helped the. North Korean missile and nuclear development programs. Uh, and we've chosen not to believe that for whatever reasons, I don't know, or not to make a big deal of it. But you hear that excuse all the time. We must have China's help with, it's almost fill in the blank, climate change, transnational crime, you know, inflation, and what have you. And North Korea is one of those things. So that's how I, I look at it. I think regardless of who won the Korean election, um, North Korea was still going to stay on this trajectory, uh, but I think they've maybe amped it up a bit. Uh, because not, I don't know that it's because of uh, a conservative being elected in South Korea, but I think it, it's partly that. But partly, I think also they um, smell 
sort of weakness and confusion maybe on the U.S. side, uh, this idea that we really won't do much to them. Uh, and that's you can see where this is headed in many respects. It's just an engineering problem on the North Korean side to uh, get the missile and missile uh, capabilities in particular, but also to shrink the nuclear weapons down. And uh, it's not headed in the right way. So it's just one more just bit of great news uh, when you, you look at the map. Uh, so that, that, see, that would be my, my take on it. And the North Korean regime has not given up its objectives of getting American troops off the peninsula and controlling, uh, occupying, uh, dominating South Korea. You know, they think they can do it. Uh, say they haven't given it up, and the, the sanctions that have been applied to North Korea have never been enforced, really. And the Chinese have never enforced these sanctions, and these are sanctions put on by the United Nations as well, not just the United States. So North Korea is, you know, say it's festering and getting worse. Uh, and but it, you look at it when you're you know, trying to figure out how to defend our interests in in Asia and. You do have to spread your forces uh, thinner than you would like and focus on more things than you would like to. And the Japanese, of course, are not, not happy about what's going on uh, anywhere. Uh, so, you know, it's a boy to put it mildly, an unsettled time. And right. you know, the, you know, it's but, amazing. But, but that you're that, essentially telling me that it's it's a noisemaker. And uh, it's a substantial noisemaker, but it's, it's again, distracting us from not paying attention to the Solomon Islands and things like that. I think so. You know, it, it, yeah, one has a, you know, it's, it's serious enough, but, you know, you look at the, where the larger threats are coming from. Uh, I think the Chinese threat is by far the bigger one. Uh, and that's the one that could kick us out of the region. And, you know, with a, more than a bloody nose. Uh, and they have been so successful on the political warfare front. Well, we've stood, you know, with a slack jawed and uh, haven't really done much. Um, oh, I did want to go back because you had mentioned that the, uh, the, the Americans have an economic sort of a what you call it, program in the works. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like the uh, it's ICEP or something that they have, the, this administration does, and it's the, the regional economic program. And it's going to be rolled out any day. It's been rolled out any day soon for a while now. But I'll bet you that when this comes, it's going to be a really handsome press conference. And then wait six months, wait a year, and see what it amounts to. And I think you won't be impressed. But, And that's the way, you know. Wow. Wait, 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 way to double down on the pessimism. I, well, I've seen it before. Do you remember the Blue Dot Network? Uh, that was during the Trump administration. This was going to be our counter to the Belt and Road Initiative. <laughs> Once again, the, the Blue Dot Network. Look it up. It was a handsome press conference and rollout. And I'm sure there were, you know, you know, exceptional performance awards and step increases aplenty for everybody. But it's where's it gone? You know, it's as. You know, it's probably has some stealth coating that Lockheed ought to try to buy because uh, you can't find it. Uh, it presumably it exists. But uh, th so I'm I say I'm skeptical about this. Anytime I hear, oh, just wait a little while, there's a new initiative coming. Um, at some point, you know, you kicked uh, tried to kick the football uh, one time too many. What are you writing since we last spoke? Um. I'm writing a 
bigger thing about uh, looking at Asia if China attacks. Uh, it's a, a pretty big thing. So I'm if China uh, attacks Taiwan, uh, attacks us. <laughs> Taiwan will just be part of it. Oh, you so, think? So that's the uh, yeah. So that's what I'm looking at. It's, it's a big um, effort. Got it. Got it. So, got it. Um, let's see. You never sent me your predictions for 2022. I just want you. I just want to browbeat you. Uh, again with that. So I want to thank you very much. So you've never done that. <laughs> right. And um, so you've been working on the big project um, since we last spoke. Did you publish anything else? Um, what is it? Uh, goodness. I think I, yeah, I wrote something that said um, that Japanese thinking has changed to the point Japan is ready to shoot. That that's the, I did write that one. It got published. Um, could you, could you explain your thesis to us? Mm -hmm. Well, my thesis is that the, you know, and I said, introduced it this way. I said when the, the Japanese first went to Iraq in 2004, that uh, a guy was, a Marine was you know, given like 30 seconds to talk to the commander who was leaving. He was going to lead the, the Japanese contingent. And the, the Marine guy said, you know, you, you know, all he could think of with usual quick wit in this was, uh, uh, yeah, 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 you better be ready to shoot somebody. And that was the advice that he gave. And it wasn't said in jest, because at that time, the Japanese was, our military and the army in particular, was more known for the snow festival in Hokkaido every year, and uh, maybe some disaster relief than it was for shooting people. And in fact, shooting yeah, an enemy was not something that was really part of the deal for, you know, the Japan Self-Defense Force. Uh, and now, 20 years later, things have changed. I think Japan is ready to shoot. And the, the point is, that's how it's, there's been a psychological shift in Japanese thinking. Um, and both in the military, but particularly in the political class, uh, the official class and the public at large is now that Japan is, you know, as I say, is realizes that it's in a t really tough neighborhood it is in a position where it is going to have to think about actual fighting and that's what i'm the the, the issue the are the piece is about um and it's presented very eloquently of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course but, uh, no it's just the usual kind of uh you know sort of it's um yeah, but it's it's a good short piece, I think. Got yeah. it, got it, got it, got it, got it. All right, Grant. Uh, what haven't I been smart enough to ask you this morning, um, evening your time, um, that you would like to comment on? Well, I think we got the big stuff. It really it is that Solomon Islands business right. uh, that has really. Um, I just yeah, don't again for the life it, of me. It, it really worries me. Yeah. I, for the life of me, there is no. Again, I, I just don't understand. This is now four years of the Trump administration, a year plus of the Biden administration. That's so we're into the sixth year of nothing in the Pacific, you know, vis-a-vis -vis our, our pacing threat. I mean, shit. Triple that number. But the, All right, we're 18. Yeah. And then, and then a gray beard or somebody in a cabal would say, no, no, triple that number. Exactly. Uh, if you've been around long enough, it's, um, but you know, yeah. So that is, I say, this is incredibly serious. And what you're going to find is that the, I bet you, the 
you know, the prime minister, the president of the place, prime minister, uh, Sogavara, he's going to postpone there's the election scheduled for 2003. He's going to say the threat of violence is such that we need some Chinese to come in and help us. And he will be in power for a good long while. And most people do not want this. And they are just desperate for somebody to help them. And we won't. And one of the missing pieces in all of this business that we never that needs to be talked about more is that it's the the corruption. These people, like like Robert Mugabe was, they are corrupt as they come, and they've got real estate in Australia and all over the place, and they take bribes and this and that, and and their cronies do. And this when you know this never gets revealed. And it needs well, to let be. me so let and me a blinding the, flash of the obvious, and I think you planted this pessimistic seed in my head because you plant most of them in, in my head. Um, so is is our lack of action is that the way we continue to do the bidding of the Chinese that we simply don't want to be provocative in in, in the region? Well, we sure make it easy. Um, you know, it's like once some a guy gets in like this, you know, he says, "Well, I want an election." You know, so why are you trying to? You know, uh, go against the will of the electorate. You know why and why don't and then there's a racist. You know, you're colonialist. You know why can't we just make our own decisions? Why do we need you to tell us what to do? And we don't have any response to that when we should. Uh, and it's not complicated. And they say, but give the the people and the the decent people in these countries, give them something to work with. Give them some support. And as I say, there's that grease that really helps the Chinese is the just the thoroughgoing bribery and corruption and subversion that they're able to do that never gets revealed, even though it's generally widely known. Um, a little bit of intelligence effort, you could get even more of this. You could have his the guy's entire financial accounts completely wired, his real estate holdings, his cronies, the things that they're doing, and then publicize it to high heaven and publicize the Chinese role in all of this, but we don't do this. And but that's the say that I know, but group. and that's my question. That's my observation. I think that you've taught me is that we don't do this because what's the other story? Oh, Wall Street's funding all this. Well, right? we're also, well, it also we're, well, we're tapped out. You know, we're we're busy in the sandbox. Uh, you stop, know, or stop. you know, you know, it's. That's, a, I, that's why I'm, I'm looking for the why behind all of this. So the only thing that makes it make sense is, is that if we begin to be confrontational in the Pacific, it's one thing to do the freedom of navigation bullshit, right? And it's another thing to give speeches and talk about pacing threat. But we're not actually going to do anything. We're just going to well, fuck around out there and not be confrontational you know with anything other than our rhetoric okay because it's going to upset right the people on wall street who pay for all of this i don't know again is there a better is there any other explanation because you sure as fuck aren't giving me one well it's lazy you know there's a, just a <laughs> as i tried to you know i said you know people want to go to vienna you know make the rewards um you know, make it there's some reward for getting involved out there. That'll get the spring butts interested, the the yes men. Um, but you know, th there has to be some some a reason. I don't know what you'd say, but because it, it just decency and would suggest that we do get involved. I would suggest listening to people who know what needs done out there. Now, that would be a, something to do for starters. 
Um, but I don't quite, but I think that the, why we do it, I really do think a lot tracks back to human nature is that it's just laziness or lack of imagination. Um, and as I said, so you the, would tell me it's that rather than money. Yeah, I, for the middle of the Pacific, I think that's what it is. Uh, right. And when get, I say money, I, I don't mean money that would inhibit us from doing something on, in these islands. What I mean is the way it would impact us negatively vis-a-vis -vis our economic relationship with China. So we can talk about, you know, what makes uh, China, Taiwan different than Russia versus Ukraine. And the first thing we come to is American economic involvement with China and China's economic involvement with the United States. And that is the primary difference. Is that the reason? So, so this is exhibit A and why the United States is not doing anything to, to really change the calculus of the Pacific. There is no American Pacific, you know, I don't know what the fuck we call it. I, I don't want to call it Marshall Plan, but uh, some kind of plan well, well, to, to change the calculus out there because we don't really want to change the calculus because we enjoy our economic relationship with China. Is that what it is? I think in this part of the map, this part of the Pacific, I do think it's just that nobody cares. I don't think the financial angle's there, but everywhere else it certainly is. But I think here it's just this lack yeah, of... Yeah, but Grant, okay, so I'm, I'm the president... And you're my lackey. You're my Pacific lackey, right? And I bring you, I hear, I see a story that the Chinese are interested in Solomon Islands. So I look at my guy or girl that's in my the Oval Office in a staff meeting, and I said, hey, what's this shit I saw in my news feed this morning on my cell phone that says that Chinese are interested in Solomon Islands? What do I expect to hear? Uh, Sir, we're going to run that down. Here's the last we know. They're looking for basing rights and, and blah, 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 as they have repeatedly in the region. Um, that guy doesn't like us. He doesn't like the Australians. He doesn't like anybody that's affiliated with the West. Um, but let us do a deep dive on it, and we will. I will get back to you tomorrow here at this meeting. <laughs> and not only with uh, the current situation and an update on that, but our recommendation on what we do going forward. I mean, you would expect to see that, right? But, I mean, hell, Grant. It's like these, the, the agreement's been signed, and now we're going to send somebody down there? Yeah. What the fuck? The, well, you know, but also you will ask, well, how many votes do we get from the Solomon Islands? Uh, how yeah. much money did they contribute to our campaign or to whatever national committee? Well, there you go. Uh, there you and, go. well, that kind of has a has an effect on things as well. Uh, so it's, when I say it's in this case, I think it is just absolute laziness, lack of imagination. But it's not that we don't have people who don't know what needs done. Uh, but we need to find, you know, send these people who want to be out on the edge of empire doing interesting things, you know, get them down there uh, and, you know, into throughout the region and take advantage of these opportunities that come our way. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not that complicated. The, the amount of money, once again, would be, you know, 30 seconds worth of Medicare fraud. Uh, it's not much that it requires, just a little attention. All right. Uh, you've done yeah. enough damage for one day. Okay. Well, I was glad <laughs> I could help, but, you know, it's, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have addressed everything. Of, Grant uh, Newsham, of the man who coined the term <laughs> cautiously pessimistic, 
um, on this program, which is still one of my favorite terms. Uh, Grant, first of all, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for continuing to make us more cynical and smarter about these issues. And I just, I mean, again, it's, uh, it's, it's stunning to continue to watch this shit. And, uh, and the only thing I can think is that it's in somebody's financial interest for us not to do these things because they're just too easy to do. And uh, on that note, I will let you go to sleep. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There you have it. The one and only on a, I don't know what day of the week it is, on a Wednesday, I'm guessing, here on uh, All Marine Radio, Grant Newsom, talking about uh, the Solomon Islands, talking a little about a bit about Russia v. Ukraine and the debate in uh, Taiwan about uh, about the, the defense of the island and uh, Prime Minister Abe's comments about let's do away with this strategic ambiguity. But we don't. But we don't. So to me, when you put strategic ambiguity along with economic ambiguity, what you see is nothing from the United States in the Pacific. Which, coincidentally, is our pacing threat. Right. Yeah. The Marine Corps is completely tilting to the Pacific, although they'll say they're not. No, we're not. We're just, you know, littoral combat. Got it. Um, this applies anywhere in the world. Got it. Um, until it doesn't. But that's a different discussion. So, yeah, see, now Grant's pissed me off. Fuck. So that means I need to go. All right. And I do. I got to go run some errands, get ready to go. Um, I'm hoping to, honestly, and I don't know if it'll come to pass, but um, I would like to play some of the audio that I play. You know, the uh, uh, when the chef passed away, I went through looking at different shows we had done, and there's some really funny stuff. And, and there's one thing we did together called putting the fun back in funeral. And it's funny. Talk about doing your own eulogy, you know, piping music into your casket once they lower into the ground. Can we do that? Because, um, you know, they have all those little um, garden-friendly solar devices so you could power the MP3 player forever. Yeah, as long as the sun comes out. So, anyway, um, so we talk about stuff like that. And very much in keeping with his wishes... I hope that um, his wife lets me play some of that. Because um, when you celebrate somebody's life, you have to celebrate their life. And then you have to resolve to keep them alive in your life by doing somebody something that person did. So what I'd like to do is just use his words. And walk up on stage and say hi. I'm... Uh, I was appointed by Kim, his hetero life partner. Yeah, I didn't even know what the hell that was until he told me. <laughs> right? And um, and we did that in the course of, I'm going to do his eulogy right now. This is what's in my head. Um, him coming on my show and, uh, and our friendship. But... Kim, I knew him as a business owner. I knew him as a friend. He was also the boss of two of my sons because they both worked for him as dishwashers. 
my oldest son ultimately as a as a waiter he's the godfather to my youngest daughter and so i knew him in a variety of ways and and if if i don't come up here and talk about his life the way that would make him happy I, i'll be i will fail today so rather than talk about him i'd like you to hear him talk about himself so and then play a few minutes of his audio and make them laugh their asses off and then just look at everybody and say we should all be so lucky to be married to um <clears throat> one woman for a really really long time and to pass away in her company to do what we love to do to touch people doing what we love to do and in that way have a great run in life we should all be so lucky so so something like that uh something happy so with that said uh i'm mike mcnamara this is all marine radio a happy place most of the time Except when it's not. Um, (laughs) It's not really a happy place. It could be sometime. It could be. The, um... So yeah, if I can help you help somebody, uh, please don't hesitate. I'd be more than happy to. On that note, thanks for listening. Uh, The Mensa Brothers will be here tomorrow. And then uh, there won't be another show until Monday. Unless something crazy happens. So, have a great day. I am out.